3: Ian and Puck on your home for the NFL playoffs and Super Bowl 51, Seattle's Sports Radio 950,
2: KJR.
4: We'll get to Michael Bennett in just a couple of seconds. Turn that you you live from the Carter Volkswagen Studios. Ian and Puck with you. Dave tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Later on today, Matt, the unverified one, Slickhawk, Nicholas will join you for 12th Man Mania, get you ready to go for the divisional round of the playoffs. 1.30 kickoff on Saturday. Seahawks, Atlanta Falcons, second meeting of the year. Hawks won earlier, 26-24. Lost, of course, in the divisional round there in the 2012 season. It was January of 2013 when they lost Russell Wilson's rookie year. Doug Baldwin, Jermaine mm-hmm. Curse, Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright, just a young, young group. That was pre-Michael Bennett, pre-Cliff Averill.
3: Were you channeling, channeling uh, Russell Wilson there? Uh How many guys you can name off? I I was just thinking off the (laughs) top of my head. There's 12 that were. The offense really moved the ball today. You know, got Justin Britt. Got Justin Britt. Mark Lewinsky. We got, uh, <laughs> we got George Collins, Fant. we got Alex Rawls. Collins, we got Thomas Rawls and right. Paul Richardson. I got all those guys. Ah, uh, who else? Uh, Tyler Lockett, Jeremy he didn't Lane, play, but he's still there. Jerron Johnson, <laughs> John Johnson, Michael Morgan, Brandon Browner. He's not here. <laughs> not but here. Still anymore. thinking about Brandon Browner. <laughs> your, boi, your, your boy, by the way, didn't have one tackle that Matt day. Matt Flynn, thanks to him.
4: <laughs> your boy Chakura, didn't have Chakura. one tackle. I went to look. Patrick Chukura didn't have one tackle really? that day. No, playing defensive line. Shocked, starting, starting for them. Playing defensive didn't they line. They get him from like UPS or something. They brought. <laughs> Him in off the street, and between that and Bruce Irvin playing DN, it was not a. Here's uh, my a good here's day. my
3: key to the game on Saturday. Yeah, key number one is score more points than them. Key number two would be to get off to a fast start. Get off to a fast start. Did you know this? This is stunning to me. I know Fain had some similar numbers to this since 2012. Minus the Super Bowls, they've been outscored 104 to 46 in the first half of playoff games. Playoff games. They've only led two times. 14 nothing, fourteen ten 10 against Carolina in 2014. 16 nothing against New Orleans, 2014. In 13 uh in 2012, excuse me, they trailed Washington 14 to 13. They were yeah. down 14 nothing at one point. Yeah. They trailed Atlanta 20 to nothing.
4: Yeah. At the half.
3: Yeah. Not nuts. And well, but this week they won they they were up they were up on Detroit right yeah Detroit? Uh, yeah they were up on Detroit minus minus uh Detroit and the Super Bowl minus Bowls. Detroit just looking back at at the rest of the games because really think about and you know Washington Think that Washington game they were down 14 nothing in that game well if if i remember right uh it was
4: alfred morris went crazy early on like remember he ran yep. just ran down their throat yeah you look
3: about, go back to so 2012 it was 14-13 Atlanta was 20 to nothing 2013 Okay. They had the New Orleans game, the divisional game. hmm That they were up on that were sixteen nothing. San Francisco they trailed ten to three at half. Two thousand fourteen. Uh, the Carolina game they were up by four at half, fourteen to ten. Green Bay, they trailed sixteen to nothing. And then in two thousand fifteen, they were three nothing to Minnesota. They trailed. Yeah. And then Carolina was thirty one to nothing. Still amazed they made that again. That's well. So think that is nuts, man. 104 to 46. Now I did not include the Detroit game, but it's, but it's, but it's man, even been man. a pro- even,
4: it's even been a problem this year. I mean you think about it it's been a problem yeah. this year too. we've talked about that they in the regular get season. Off it, to a
3: fast start, man.
4: In the regular season, yeah. it's been a problem this year with this team too they got I mean hell, they were playing with fire, although in the end, I don't know what it meant. it probably meant much not much of anything unless you get to the anyway, they're down 14 and nothing or 14 to 3 to the to the San Francisco 49ers in that last game of the year. I mean they just that that for whatever reason, I've asked guys that too. They they just come out of the gate. I don't know if it's slow or they're just yeah. waiting to make adjustments, but the the god when you're doing yeah. the playoffs, you're just playing with fire. Look back yeah. at that Washington game, it reminded me of that cuz yeah, Washington went 14 yeah. nothing, Washington went 80 yards in their first drive and they went 50 yards on their second drive and scored two touchdowns it was 14 nothing back in 2012. And again, a lot of different team, but yeah, they just seem to. Well, have Well, yeah, issue. I mean,
3: it's a different team. A lot of core players. I mean, the, the you know the team, the core still is still based on it, defense. Still there, yeah. It's still based on defense you, you take, and getting stops. You take it a step further. If you just extrapolate the road games, it's sixty-eight to thirteen. They've been outscored in the first half, and I get it. It's his whole mantra: you can't win, lose the game in the first quarter, in the second quarter, in the third quarter. You win it in the or you can't win it. You win it in the fourth quarter. But Do you, do you really believe that? They lost that game but, last year in Carolina But the early. Carolina game, you lost it in the first half. Absolutely, you did. You sure you did. You lost the game in the first half. You sure you, did. You gave up 31 points. So they've got to figure out, minus my key, number one key being score more points than the opposition. Number one key? Okay. The key number two is just get off to a good start. Just don't put yourself so far behind that it's going to take this massive comeback in the second half and then eventually you run out of time. Happened in the Carolina game. They put themselves in a huge hole last time they played Atlanta in 2012. Just don't do it again. Just get off to a decent start. Well, I don't think. I think the problem too is that if you if you
4: fall behind with this particular version of the Seahawks, that this the team that we have in front of us right now. Paul Richardson was great. We understand that. Thomas Rawls was fantastic. We understand that in the in that game last week. You're still missing the explosiveness that you used to have. You don't have Marshawn anymore. All due respect to Thomas Rawls. You don't have Tyler Lockett. Hell, when you go back to 2012, 2013, you had, you had Golden Tate. You know, you had, you, had, you had Marshawn Lynch. You had Golden Tate. Right now, you don't have and, – and you had offensive line that was at least adequate. I mean, at least you had an adequate, serviceable offensive line. They were okay last week. That's fine. But, yeah, I'm with you, Puck. If you don't come out to a, a fast start against these guys, and then you're forced to pass with Vic Beasley and his 15-and-a-half sacks coming at you – it's just that it's not a recipe to have success.
3: I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're going to be on the road opposed to being at home. But if they can come out to a similar start like they did in week six, it'd be great. Well, 17, three and a half. Mm-hmm. But just don't take forever to get going in the game. No. You know, just because the, you don't want to put yourself so far behind that uh, it's going to take an enti- you know, a, a, a humongous effort in the second half to come back and win it.
4: 385 yards passing for uh, Russell Wilson. That was his first 300-yard game, if I'm not mistaken, right? Back in uh, 2012? In 2012. I think it was his oh. first time he threw for over 300. Uh, Zach Miller wow. had 142, Golden Tate had 103, and that was all basically in the second half when they had to come from I think he's going to have
3: a big game. I think that Jimmy Graham, he had a, a really good game the last time they met. I think by you, – we'll go back and watch it. The way they play defense, they allow that middle of the field for some reason. They talked about it a lot on that broadcast. I think it was – was it Kevin Burkhardt and Rondé Barber, I think, on the call? Anyways, I think it was Barber that talked about it over and over again. The style that Atlanta plays, they just give you that middle. <laughs> You've got a guy that is just – if you're going to give the middle, then just throw it to 88 every play. I mean, you should have 13, 14 catches on Saturday. Well, The great thing is what they did last week. They did it without Jimmy Graham having a huge
4: game you know, against uh, against Detroit. And you're, uh... All right. Uh, Michael Bennett, you would expect him to have a big game. If you go back to that last game that Puck was referring to uh, this year when Seattle did edge the Atlanta Falcons, there were a lot of key guys missing for Seattle. Cam Chancellor missed the game. Frank Clark missed the game. C.J. ProSize, who may play this week, missed the game. Thomas Rawls missed the game. Michael Bennett was injured in the first half. Tried to come back, did for a little bit, and then missed the remainder of the game in the second half. Missed roughly for what he would take in terms of snaps. He probably missed about a third of the snaps he would normally take. So, I mean, you take a key cog out of your defense. But Michael Bennett's back. He's healthy. He's got a new contract, and he was vintage Michael
1: Bennett just a short time ago. I'd like to thank my sponsor, Justin Reese's Cups. Peanut butter is good. No, I got sweatshirts. I just I was doing something before I came in here. Number two. Number two. All
3: right. Mike, you've talked about how Dan Quinn was the the
4: reason you signed here. Just uh yeah. what was that process like when you were looking at places and how you uh, convinced
1: I mean me and Dan go way back. He was one of the main people that brought me to Seattle in the first place and um you know, we just got a really good relationship. I kept in contact with him while I was in Florida. Always going over my rush, going over different things that how I can develop as a player and be a better player. And you know, when I got the chance and he called me, of course, he, of course, Pete called me. I didn't know who Pete Carroll was. Never met him. Then he called me. He Dan called called me first. He's like, man, I think you come down here. You, we got a good, we got something good. We just need an inside rusher. And I was like, okay. And then I just came out here. What makes him a good coach? I think he understands. Um, he's a player's coach. He understands what the players, what the, what the players, and he understands how to put people in the right position to be a great player. And I think when you can do that, you know, Pete does a great job of that, and you can put people in a position where they can be great, they can do great things on the field for you. You see young guys. I see guys out there that were kind of okay players, and now I see them over there in Atlanta. They're just they're just. Out there balling, and you know, he embodies a hard nosed type of coach who he expects a lot, but at the same time, he has that relationship with his players where you know players can talk, come and talk to him.
4: Is, is that the difference when, when you hear when people say players coach? What truly
2: does
1: that mean? What does that means a, a coach that understands the players, that can a player can go and talk to them and have a relatable conversation. A lot of coaches you can't have a conversation with about because their whole life is based around football. And when you have a coach who has a family, has things going on outside of football, you can have a conversation with them, you tend to build trust with them. I think, you know, Dan does a great job of building trust with his, with his players. Mike, you looking forward to going against uh, Jake Matthews? I'm looking forward to going against anybody in, in this time of year. This time of year is always a great year to be – you know, to get out there and play the game, there's a whole bunch of great players that are at home right now that wish they could be in our situation. So every time you get out there and get a chance to play in the playoffs, you just you, you cherish that moment. Has your anger subsided over that play? My anger? I'm angry every day. But I don't have many reasons to be angry these days. Um, so I'm just, I just want to go out there and just play a great game. Um, and the playoffs, is, you, you just want to go out there and just win a game, and that's what it was about. Did you ever talk to him, though, after that? or? Uh, no, I don't really talk to him. I no. In the summary, you said you were looking to achieve peacefulness this year. How is how is that going? It's my zen is my zen is an everyday practice. It's getting there, though. My my wife will tell you I'm getting better.
3: How many former coaches
4: do you keep up? I mean, you mentioned talking to Dan Quinn when he was in Florida and you were elsewhere. How, how many coaches do you keep up
1: with typically? I, most of all, my coaches are pretty much you know you know from uh, Greg Shiano, They all text me. It's just. You know, for me, it's always been always been a, a guy that coaches you know can talk to or relate to or whatever. So, you know, Greg Schiano, I still talk to a lot of my coaches, Raheem Morris, you know, whoever it is. You know, I got a lot of respect for these coaches in the positions that they put in in the NFL. So that's a lot, it's a it's a lot of pressure, but a lot of these coaches, they're pretty good guys.
2: When he reached out to you when you were a free agent, was it as simple that you said, okay, I'm coming
1: here? It was kind of simple, but it was like two other coaches that I played with before that kind of called me, and it was like. Uh, Dan was one of the guys who gave me the first opportunity, and I felt like, oh yeah, let me go out there. And I always liked Seattle. When I came here, it was one of those cities where I was like, oh man, I can, I can actually live here. And it was like, you know, so when I got a chance to come back, I always dreamed I would come back to Tampa. I mean, come back to Seattle, and I had a chance to do it.
2: Alex Mack was a huge signing for them in the offseason, a ton of money for for a center. How important has he been to what they do on offense? How tough
1: is he? I, on all the teams he's been on, I think he's been with the Browns, and he just got tired of losing. I think. Nobody wants to be a loser. Nobody wants to be a loser, and, every, wants to be a loser. and um, now he has a chance to be got <laughs> a chance to be on a great team. I think he adds so many great things to the team. You know, before they had McClure, he was one of the best centers in the NFL for a long time with Matt Ryan. And you know, now he has a guy who understands protection, who understands the run game, who's in, who has you know a lot of Pro Bowls and All Pros under his belt. And he's just a, a good a good veteran player who can get the young offensive line going.
0: Dan Quinn did a lot with Red Bryant, did a lot with you. He's got Grady Jarrett, under 300 pounds, playing nose right now. What makes him such a good and atypical defensive line coach where he knows how
1: to put people in different paths? <laughs> he understands. He understands pass rushing. He understands what a person's body is capable of doing and when he demands it of you, and he—he's one of those guys. When you're a young player, he demands that you study and work on your craft, and it's a daily journey. When you work on your craft for him, man. I think he knows how to develop linemen. I think he's done a great job. You see Vic Beasley jumping from, you know, 4.5 sacks to leading the NFL in sacks in just one year under getting that summer under his belt, and you know he's just a good guy who could develop develop defensive linemen. When your run game is going well, like it did last game, what kind of confidence does that give you as a defense that you're? Not gonna have to go right back out again. I always got confidence, so you know, um, we always have confidence when you play in this defense, and it's just one of those things where it's more like it gives the offense the confidence to do what they need to do. You know, we we know where we are and where we what we can do, and then the offenses they're getting that they're getting that momentum right now, and that's exactly what you want. You get a whole bunch of young offensive linemen. You know, people forget that the offensive line is a team that uh, a bunch of players that haven't been together and played through as many games. The defense, the defense is it's the same people. It's we they change a couple of people out, but ultimately it's the same people that's been there for a while and we work know how to work together. It takes it takes a long time to build continuity, and they're starting to get it, and it's the perfect time to get it. Atlanta's
0: probably playing better offensively than anyone in the league right now. Do Do you prefer that? You go into a game to go up
1: against a juggernaut like that. No, I prefer to play against a a terrible team because it makes the game a lot easier. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, you know, being an athlete, you want to compete, and you're going against a team that's that's full of greatness. You think about Julio Jones. One of the greatest receivers in the game right now. I'm pretty sure he'd be in the Hall of Fame. You look at you know, Devontae Freeman. I mean, this guy is just awesome. He can catch the ball at the backfield. He could do so many great things. Then you say, okay, what about the second-string back? And they got Coleman. He could break a big run at any time. And then you say, okay, what about the quarterback? You know, MVP, you know what I'm saying? So they have so many great players. It makes the game very interesting, but it also makes it a, a great challenge, and it's one of those things where number one meets number one, and it, it makes it really good. Is there
0: a part of you that wants to prove, in addition to getting the win, that prove to the world that you still have the
1: best defense in the league? I don't have to prove anything. I mean, we've proved that for year and years after year. We're here. I mean, we're in the playoffs again. I think the media wants to build up another um, a team or, you know, make us feel like we're a certain way. But when you have confidence, it doesn't really matter what the – the media says or the naysayers, or what they believe. It's all about what you believe in. Right now, we, we, we held a team to six points. We've done that several times this season. And in the league, people forget that people are getting paid. And there's opportunities and chances where, you know, people are not in the same position or new people are on the field. And there's great players every game. Every player in the NFL has the ability to be a great player, just depending on the day.
4: Michael Bennett, classic Michael Bennett uh, all the way through. And uh does get much better than that. Real quick, the uh, one thing he referenced to to refresh everyone's memory, when he got injured in that Atlanta game, we've talked about that a couple times how he left early, it was because he got uh, nailed at the front of the knee by Jake Matthews, who's a fellow Texas A&M alum, the uh, tackle for the Atlanta Falcons in that game. Remember, he said it was kind of a dirty hit, didn't like the hit. Everyone, when we saw it, it was one of those things, you see the hit, you see Bennett go down, you see kind of the leg kind of crumble, and you're thinking the worst at that point. Ended up not being as bad as it probably appeared. But uh, that came on the heels of uh, getting head-butted by a, a lineman from the Jets, did Michael Bennett a couple weeks prior to that. He was uh, not in the best frame of mind after those two weeks thinking guys were trying to take him out. But uh, there's Michael Bennett.
3: After he finished taking a number two, joining mm. us uh,
4: for uh, at the podium today. Well, legal
3: hit, though. But, I mean, you just got to get rid of it if you want to get rid of that in football. But, yeah. you know, I mean, it's one of those plays that they just keep in there for some reason. You know, I'm not sure why, but – uh, yeah, hard to criticize it here too when it's taught here. Well, it's uh, yeah everywhere. <laughs> it's yeah, everywhere.
4: Staple the Tom um. Cable blocking. You know, I mean that's that's the. I, I'm Did sure he have to
3: offer up the number two? Really? I mean, do we have to go there? It's Michael Bennett, wow. of course, of course. Yeah, it he's is.
2: explaining where he was.
3: I know, but I mean. You got to go, you got to go. I Sure, but I mean, do we do we have to hear that right there? Uh, just, uh, what he, do you think? Front to back or back to front? I'm uh,
4: <laughs> <laughs> just not even going to go there. Huh? Time to go to break. <laughs> it is time to do go to break. Do you know anyone that's
3: a back to front? I don't. Do you? Yeah, I got a buddy who's a back to front. Uh, what? <laughs> I don't get it. Is he a lefty? No. No? Just, He's a righty? Why would you ever be that way? Why would you do that? I, I, why, would you, why would you treat yourself to that? Terrific question. well we come back,
4: uh, Dabo Sweeney is going He's after Messi, one uh, one uh, well-known national talk show host. You'll hear that coming up next.
3: Ian and Puck on your home for the NFL playoffs and Super Bowl 51. Seattle's Sports Radio 950, KJR. On the rebound,
2: misses the Way in a miss. This could be for a national championship. Swinging a, swing a miss. How did he miss the open goal? Six by four, and he comes up zero. Swinging a, swinging a, swing and a, swing and a miss. How's uh, how's CJ proceeds and what's his outlook kind of through the week? Uh,
4: he's going to work through the week. Um, he was out there in the walkthrough today, and we'll get to practice this afternoon and see what he can do. We, I really don't have anything to uh, forecast for you at this point. We got to get some more information.
1: What's he going to have to show you during the week to make you feel comfortable going
4: with him? He's going to have to go full speed and let it rip. He can't hold. If he's holding back, he won't play. So hopefully C.J. ProSize as we speak, is uh, letting her rip in, a Let padless, rip in a padless practice for the CLC Hawks. So we'll Let her rip, uh...
0: man. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
4: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com.
4: Hey, it's Ian Furness for my good friend, Dr. J Rudd at Aurora Lasic and com. No more readers. How about that? For about 15 years, I've used reading glasses, but no more. I had refractive lens exchange. I can tell you for a fact, it's a life-changing and also something I wish I would have done years ago. You need to check it out as well. Go to AuroraLASIK.com. That's com. Dr. J Rudd. He is absolutely sensational. Get your consultation scheduled. That's auroralasic.com for your refractive lens exchange. See if you can get her going and uh, get out there on the field. Uh, Marcel Reese practicing today. Thomas Rawls practicing today. Uh, Tony McDaniel still remains a question mark with the concussion issue. Uh, that defensive tackle position. That's the Seahawk news. we got uh, lots of other stuff going on, including wrap-up some college football. Dave Satimaro will join us in a minute. About fifteen minutes from now, and later on tonight, the guy that's in there dancing by himself. I don't I know, know when this guy sleeps. Uh, Slickhawk in there getting ready for—he's uh, already fired up. We're three and a half hours away Slick or from uh, 12th Man Meeting. He's already ready. It's, it's
3: fast food diet. I asked Slickhawk in the Sports Pit, "Are you a front to back or back to front?" <laughs> and he goes, "I kind of walk away and I see him. I look over and he's in the corner at his desk and he's kind of trying to do it. He's like." Back to front, front to back. You figured it out? He didn't know. Well, you didn't know initially. Now you, you figured it no, out. He's <laughs> figure it out. Uh from the Murrow line at four nine four five one. Hey Jim, do you think it might be better to have sensitive conversations, questions in person with players as opposed to thinking out loud on the air? Pretty sure they feel outed when you do these things. As a listener, you seem to strike me as having a glass half empty attitude. So, Jim, what do you think?
4: Well, I think that uh, there's nobody here named Jim, as far as I know. But uh, let me think. I'm listening to a radio mm-hmm. station. I'm going to text that radio station because right. well, I'm, I'm really mad.
3: Well, mm. I, I'm sure I'd love. I'm sure they'd love to hear your support on air, regardless of your personal reservations regarding their chances. Just a thought. All right, Jim. I always wonder what happened to Jim. And Dave Wyman, whatever happened to him, too. <laughs> Worry about that all the time, whatever happened to him. I love when texts come in when they're <laughs> texting the wrong station or show. Yeah. You're an idiot, so-and-so. They don't work here. Damn you, Danny.
4: Oh, yeah, I know. Thanks. Uh, well, before we get to the audio, anyway, you Speaking guys— Jim, hold on.
3: Yeah? I want to check something real quick. All right, you do that for a second. Jim, uh, Jim, go to you. Let me see. Not verified. Not verified. Not many people not are. Not a verified account. We got a verified guy coming in 50 minutes. Neil Scott, are you verified? Your account, Twitter, are you verified? This is a guy that has his 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 junk insured. Yeah, I'm, I'm verified. You sure. are? Yeah. No, you're not. No, you're are not. Are you really? He still resonates with you guys. No, he not. He doesn't no, know. He he doesn't he doesn't doesn't it, know. Right? What's your Twitter hand again? Recovery, Coast to Coast? RC, What's going on now? RC2C. I mean, Those RC2C. are just the guys. That's, he's got a he's got a bigger that's a that's a big.
4: Company he's not verified. Cities. You don't have the blue check mark. It's a syndicated thing, is it not? Um, you got to have the blue check mark. Anyway, you guys could touch on Big Joe possibly leaving. Joe Salavella, Washington State's defensive oh, line big coach, is, is leaving. He's going ah. to Oregon. It's it's a done deal. They have they got to cross the Ts, dot the Is, all that fun stuff. But uh, he's going. He's going to get about. A, he's going from what he's presently making. He's going to get a hundred and fifty thousand dollar year raise from what he was offered. He's getting a hundred thousand dollar raise. Ooh. My understanding is it's a lot more to it than that. There's man, oh man. there's some um So he was making 350 and he's he was offered 400 something. He was making he's, over 5 half a million. And he's going to make over half a million to be Good for him. to be uh, line coach down at Oregon. Yeah.
3: Got some cash. Boy, Willie Taggart. You know what I'll say about Willie? Kind of a gangster. What he's been doing. I mean, he goes and raids. He raids yeah. Wazoo. Of one of their best recruiters, especially for Polynesian kids, and a great D line coach. I mean, he's terrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they go raid Jim Levitt, one of the best defensive coordinators in the conference, from another school. Yeah. And I say raid, I mean just take him. I mean those guys are they can leave, they can do whatever they want. Yeah. Uh, hell, nice job, man. You come in there, just guns a blazing. Well,
4: he's got a he's got an assistant coaches oh, money pool that's bigger than maybe man. anybody in the conference. Which money talks, hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> It's nice. When you're talking about an assistant coach salary, which some of those guys are only making 100 grand now, he was making more than that. But that's yeah. a that's a significant raise. You know, there's a lot of people that are that are fired up and bitter. There's other things to it. My understanding is I think there was some issue. Obviously, there had off-field issues this year. Uh, I don't think he, and my understanding is his his wife were real happy with the way things were dealt with. Uh, outside the football office we'll leave it at that so he's going to move on and Oregon All in terms gets, of how the yeah, kids were, were treated yeah, yeah I, I think it's huh. it's kids uh, you know between the police department the president to the university hasn't endeared himself to some yeah. so you know what he's going to move on Oregon gets a hell of a coach and a, and a, and maybe the best recruiter in the conference the amazing thing is that's a guy that was courted
3: by Washington and USC and UCLA in the last 3 yeah. years and uh,
4: and didn't go so uh, well i
3: love big joe i i don't ever get uh, i'm never i'm never down on people leaving for for other jobs other opportunities uh, sucks to see him go because he's he's just a good he's a good dude he's a good coach yeah a uh, good recruiter but hey man best of, I mean I'm not I'm not mad at all I mean it stinks that he goes to Oregon but Billy really, Taggart's doing a nice job of plucking some assistant coaches just it's, it's too bad that he that he's gone uh but best of, best of him man because he's a great guy.
4: Best to him, but no no best of luck on the field. I hope they go four and uh four and eight in the next few years, but uh but good for him making some money and setting up his family.
3: All right. Uh we've got
4: Colin Cowherd and Dabo Sweeney, toe-to-toe, mono mono one on one. Here's what Colin had to say.
0: Clemson's a fraud. Clemson's gonna get their ears boxed by whoever they play. They should have three losses, maybe four. I don't buy into Clemson. They're the New York Giants of college football. I don't care what their record is. I don't buy into them. And I had Clemson in the Final Four, so I should be rooting for them. I got, I got no dog in the fight here. I think USC is the second-best team in the country, and Vegas agrees. And
2: at the end of the day, uh, we left no doubt tonight. You know, we wanted to play Alabama. Uh, because now y'all got to change your stories. You got to change the narrative. Y'all got to mix it up. Uh, you know, the guy that called us a fraud oh. asked Alabama for a fraud. Was his name Colin Coward? I've never met him, don't know him. Ask him if, if we're Alabama for a fraud. Ask Ohio State if we're a fraud. Ask Oklahoma if we're a fraud. The only fraud is that guy. Because he, he didn't do his homework. I hope y'all print that.
1: Take our next question.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what was the, what's the response from, from Colin? You got I'm, it right
0: here. You got it right here. Do you have it? To Dabo and his staff, they played their best two games late. And, um, you know, people this morning are like, what do you think of that? One of the things I've realized, you do not punish me if I'm wrong. You punish me as an audience if I choose topics you're not interested in. You have never punished me for being wrong. My Blazing Five is one of the highest rated things I ever do. <laughs> and I get 57% right.
3: Oh, that's so common.
0: When you punish me, politicians could learn a thing or two. Politicians lose when they talk about topics that nobody cares about. Trump talked about the economy. That's what most of us care about, not bathroom issues. In the end, you have never punished me for being wrong. You punish me when I'm uninteresting and when I choose topics that you don't give a rip about. So I will continue to have super strong opinions on college football, the NBA, the NFL, And all I can say to Dabo Sweeney, you're a hell of a coach. You made college football better. You gave me four and a half hours. Game was a tad long, but four and a half hours of great entertainment. And your players showed such great character in the most crucial moments. I couldn't be happier for Clemson. I didn't buy them. I watched them almost lose seven times. I was watching when North Carolina State could have beat them at Clemson. I didn't see the Troy game. I don't think that was on my local carrier. I'm not sure if Dabo saw much of it. I don't know if it was broadcast in Clemson, but what they did last night was remarkable. Great for the sport. They had great dignity, and I can take a punch.
4: Hi, it's our guy. Um. <laughs>
3: hey, Troy did finish ten and three. Yeah, they were third in the Sun Belt. I think they won their bowl <laughs> game too. Did they not? They win their bowl game.
4: Yeah, I think they did. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm an A-list guy. I talk about A-list topics. That's what I do. I'm Colin Coward. What
3: does he do that what what did he he, he note there that his blazing five is the highest bla- rated thing in radio or something? <laughs> You've never heard him say that before, have you? Uh, I've never heard him Only say for that. the four years you work with him. <laughs>
4: yeah, he's what I do is, no one loves Colin Moore. More than, than Colin.
3: Than Colin. <laughs> well, Alan Davis did already. This is what did. you know. We got into this Clemson debate all year long, especially with our good friend Nigel, all year long, because everyone wanted to cite the Troy game and the North Carolina State, why they were were frauds, why they were not as good. I mean, they were a team that was marked all year long. I think that was the greatest challenge for them, is that they had to play to an expectation that Alabama faces every single year, and they were facing it for the very first time. And I think it's hard to, week in and week out, play that way. And um, it's hard. I mean, it's just that's a massive, massively difficult thing to undertake when you are no longer the team that's surprising anyone. Now you're the team. You know that's, and they they got through it. I mean, yeah, they got a scare. So what? They won. Yeah. Hey. At the end of the day, they won it. I mean, there's a, everyone gets a scare, don't they? I mean, God, Alabama got a scare well, from Arkansas. Arkansas is not a world beater. Well, uh, Washington got a scare from Arizona everyone no one talks about that when you have a when you have a a, a mark on the back of your
4: on the back the Seahawks know about that everyone you get everyone's gets, best everyone, shot you, everyone get, you get everyone's gets, best shot
3: everyone has that game in which they didn't look good
4: you know who else won uh, big were those who bet on Clemson who lost Vegas uh, bookmakers said 15 to 20 million dollars bet Statewide in Nevada on the game last night the majority of that money going on Clemson and uh, they covered. And then some, winning outright. Uh, Bill Sattler from Caesars Entertainment said Clemson winning was the worst loss in any college football game I can remember at Caesars Palace.
2: It was the most bet on, though, too, right? Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah, and they say the majority of the money came from Alabama fans betting Clemson to cover. (laughs) Uh, Westgate Sportsbook, which is downtown, were the first first $11,020 that was bet 11,000 of it went on Clemson. I mean, that's just, it just, mm. all the money went on Clemson. But uh, when the guy from Caesar says it was our worst loss in any college football game, Yikes. that ain't good. That ain't good. Those rooms are going to cost you a little bit more this spring, folks. <laughs> all right, Dave Softy Baller is coming up next.
3: Ian and Puck on your home for the NFL playoffs and Super Bowl 51. Seattle's Sports Radio 950, KJR. Blair Walsh
2: from 27 yards left hash. Snap good, spot down, Walsh's kick is up, and it is no good! He missed it! Are you kidding me? The season can't end like that! He missed it left! And the Seattle
3: Seahawks are off to Charlotte. Blair Walsh missed a 27-yard field goal, and the Minnesota Vikings are going to lose 10-9. Now sometimes you just rather be lucky than good. And for the Seattle Seahawks, they were lucky today. (laughs)
4: <laughs> it's your buddy Paul Allen uh, on the fan in Minnesota with uh, one year ago today. How about that? One year ago today that uh, Blair Walsh missed field goal, sent Seattle to the divisional round for the fourth straight year, and here they are over the fifth straight year.
2: Does that not feel like five years ago, that game? It does feel like Minnesota. a long time ago. I mean, I, w- I was surprised when I hear it was uh, a year ago today. It feels like it was forever ago.
4: Man. It was a long long time ago. Maybe I
2: had my voice back then. I don't oh, know it's good. God, hell. it's
4: getting worse, man. It's
2: terrible. Well, I, I mean, I would think that the best thing for me is to not talk. Which so, is hard in this profession.
4: Maybe you call in sick. If
2: you'd like me, you know what? Can you do th- 3 to 6.30? Just uh, Hang not, out until 6.30. I
4: can't tonight. And I'll take
2: off. Tomorrow? tomorrow? Fine, you're in tomorrow. You, you hear that, now? Kevin? Tomorrow, Furness is doing uh, 12 to 6.30.
4: Whatever you need, buddy. What the hell? Whatever you need. What's going on? Not much. Where's Puckett? Uh, he's sick.
2: He's sick. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he was just here. <laughs> he's sick. What is he, he, got he in sick. the bathroom?
4: He didn't want to get close to you. He's worried about getting sick. Come on. So he left. unbelievable. He, left. he took off. He's what got, the he's hell got is stuff going he got on pers- here. Taking personal time. You're I don't leaving know. early. He's leaving early. Listen, I left early oh. one time, and I heard you, clowns. That
2: is totally not true. You've left on more than one occasion early. I know for a fact.
4: In the last calendar year.
2: Uh, ca- last calendar year. The the, the, the year's ten nah, days nah, old. Nah. <laughs> Talking
4: about. It. Yeah. I left early because I wanted to see my kid play middle school basketball, okay. and so I left right. early that one day. Right. I'd leave early today, but puck beat me to it. So maybe, maybe nobody that, likes you. That's maybe, the problem. Maybe
2: that really is the biggest advantage to having kids in this business. You can leave early. You just take off. Take off. Yeah, it's like, like being—it's like being Jewish in elementary school. Well, it's Yom Kippur. I can't come to school. But oh, I'm Jewish too. I gotta go home. But you never take those Jewish I holidays. I never do. I never Why do. not? Because I'm a bad Jew. I'm, like, I'm bad. <laughs> I mean, bad. neither does our guy Adam. I well, think he's no. Jewish. I do. I took Yom Kippur. Oh, yeah. did you? Yeah. You take off Russia Shona? No. I only yeah. did like part of the okay. day. Well. Yeah. Mitch Mitch,
4: He milks that there's thing. There's only there's a quota <laughs> like for a one
2: person and Mitch takes it all. Up. <laughs> I mean, he takes it all for right? everybody. What do you want from some, me? I don't know. So I was I was, uh, I was hanging around the Seahawks locker room today. Yes. Uh talked to Baldwin, Marcel Ree, Stephen Hauschka, KJ Wright, Luke Wilson. Well, how was the Hauschka interview? Uh he's moving on. He's moving on. He's tired of analyzing I, stuff, and he's moving on. Guess what? Everyone yeah. wants him to move well, on, too. He, well, I know that. He's missed three <laughs> PATs in three straight games. And I asked the question on the air yesterday. Maybe it was with you guys. If he's lining up for a game-winning Forty-yard field goal, uh, which no. is seven yards longer than a PAT, by the way. Yeah, no. Do you have confidence no. he makes it? No. In that stadium where he used to play as a Falcon, by the way. No, I don't. No, no, no. I don't.
4: Do you have confidence
2: in him at all right now? I, you know, what's funny? I have more confidence in him making a sixty-yard field goal than a thirty-three-yard extra point. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know what? You're right. I, Honestly, yeah, I do. No, I do. I mean, remember the last time they played Atlanta in the postseason? They signed Ryan Longwell. I remember that for the playoff game. I remember that. And Houchka, the week before was three for three against the Redskins. So I don't
4: know. Well, and, and the week and he kicked the last one on like one leg. Right. I mean, he right. kind of stoned up and did that, and then they brought in Longwell. But I, I when I heard that highlight, Adam played coming back in. Yeah. I thought, you know. We chuckle about that. We like that. We enjoy that. I just have this bad feeling it's going to come back to haunt us with our guy this year. Well,
2: the defense was awesome that day in Minnesota. Obviously, yeah, um, I just—I mean, I think—I mean, for me, you know, I—it's funny how I keep coming back to the same question I was asking maybe four years ago. What do you have more confidence in right now as a hawk fan, the offense or the defense? Because the offense obviously runs the ball like crazy, goes bananas against the Lions. I mean, Rawls has 100 yards in the first half and only meant 10 points, which obviously came on Paul's crazy touchdown catch. And the defense was phenomenal, but it still seems like there's people out there that are doubting this defense, that they have the the Arizona game, the Green Bay game, maybe the New Orleans game in the back of their head, and they don't yet have that great confidence in the defense that we've had in years past. So as a Seahawk fan right now, You got more confidence in the Hawks scoring points against the 25th best defense in the NFL, or do you have more confidence in the Hawks shutting down Matt Ryan, which they did for three quarters when they saw him back in week six and if not for a couple of miscommunications, I Including mean, Including
4: one with Earl Thomas. Yeah,
2: I mean, uh, but you know what's crazy about that? And is Kelsey I, McCray. I go back to, yeah, like, the mis- the miscommunication on the Greg Olson play two years ago. Right. Was it last year against last Carolina? Year. Last year at home, yeah. And they talk about that and the miscommunication on the levine Toilolo touchdown this year yep. and the Julio touchdown. The Falcons were still driving the ball and had the ball at, like, the Seahawk 45 or 50-yard yep. line. They were still crossing midfield, so... I don't know, dude. I I mean, the more and more I think about what that do you game think? with Atlanta, I, I I've got more confidence in the defense. I yeah. really do. I think for this team to make a run in the playoffs all the way to the Super Bowl, it's got to be about the defense carrying the day. Well, has to be.
4: It has to be because that's what you're invested in. Right. I mean, as, as an right. organization, you you know whether you really believe that or not, you just you have to tell yourself your defense is the strength of the football team. They have to be. That's that's what even you have Earl built Thomas. this organization no. around, even without a real time. Hey, but this defense compared to the last time they played Atlanta you have to make the argument they're better. Of course. No Earl, but you add in Clark, Bennett, um Chancellor right. all into the mix. That right. that's a that well, those
2: you mean from the week 6 of this right. year. Correct. Okay, no, yeah. you're right. You're right. Yeah. I mean, but I better. looked it up from the game they played in the Atlanta game uh, in the playoffs 4 years ago. I think it's only 8 or 9 guys left on There's the 12. on the team. Is it 12, is Tw- that right? 12 plus Earl. Okay, so I got Wilson, Baldwin, Wagner, KJ, that's 4. I'll just put my notes what. Sherman, yeah. Earl, Cam, Lane is 8. Ryan, Jerron Johnson was on that Correct. team. That's 10. Who am I missing? I mean, Howschka was on the
4: team. Did you get Judge? Uh, you get um
2: Houchke was on the team, so I'll put Shed? him down.
4: You get Shed. Shed. I didn't Shed I didn't here? I
2: didn't count, count Hauska. Okay. Shed. I did not count Shed. Shed was here? Yeah, he okay. was he was active right. that day. Well, that's 12 guys right there. Yeah. That's 12 guys. Yeah. You're talking like, you know what, not even a quarter of your football team was around 4 years ago.
4: You know how many guys on offense?
2: Well, nobody on the offensive line.
4: The only offensive player that started that day is Russell Wilson. Okay. You had Kirsten ball, and uh, Baldwin Doug, were on the team.
2: Doug had one catch in that game, yeah, in the playoffs in game four years ago. Yeah. And here they are. Come full circle. Come looking full circle. for the true essence of revenge, my friend. What do you got coming up? Uh, Doug Baldwin. Had a chance to catch up with him in the locker room today. Marcel Reese had a great conversation with him. He said that Russell Wilson gave him the game ball, by the way, after the Lion game. Uh, Ryan Fowler, our buddy from uh, Tuscaloosa. He's gonna join us at four o'clock and talk about what the hell went wrong last night. Walter Jones, Mike Florio, and then Hugh Millen coming up at 6 p.m.
4: Dave Southtimaler next. Go kooks.
2: And Oregon and Washington. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House.
1: What damn eagle? Dong, Grandpa is talking to you.